Hello. Hello. Welcome. Uh, thank you. Thank you for coming back in today. Yeah, of course. I I kind of had something. I guess you know, kind of a source of stress, maybe confusion, though more accurately. Uh, okay. Yeah, I've been. You know, I, I I've been trying. I've been getting back to my old habits, my old sort of. Um, I don't want to say coping mechanisms, but I guess more like interests and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that, you know, if you want to watch a good movie, you go to the French, right? I I mean, f- famously, I guess they're they're sort of a the the cinema verte. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The very, very, very cinema. That's that's yeah. them. The the very most cinemas, I think, is what they call themselves. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Cineast. That's French. Yeah. Uh. Uh. Directorio. Uh. Intente. Yeah, that's French. That's <laughs> that's French. Yeah. That's one hundred percent French. Well, I mean, yeah. Uh, I... Autor. Autor theory. Uh yeah. Coming from the French word for asshole. Uh, yeah, the, the, precisely. Everybody yeah. has an auteur, like an opinion or whatever the fuck. <laughs> uh, yeah, France, you know, known as the birthplace of cinema, the Lumière brothers, uh, Jean Cocteau, of course, uh, Breathless, you know, Jean-Luc Godard. Yeah, one of your favorite films. One of my, f- famously one of my favorite films. Uh, but... I don't know. I, I I don't know if they have it anymore. I don't know if the spark's still there. I don't know. I maybe France has fallen out of out of love with the uh the 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 art of cinema. Well, you know, it's it's sort of the thing of like some people are fine staying in their hometown and some people just kind of like stagnate. Uh-huh. So it makes sense that, you know, if you go back to the birthplace of cinema, but it didn't really go anywhere, you know, mm. you're you're basically saying that seeing the art house film equivalent of like your 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 high school English uh, co-ed um, who works at a Fry's Electronics now uh-huh. uh, and is married to a girl plus or minus nine years younger than him. <laughs> Or plus or minus nine years in, in age difference to him, who has three kids regardless of the situation. Right, right. Pulling a pulling a bit of a Dane Cook situation. Well, I mean, yeah. pulling pulling in any famous man situation. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's troubling. Like if 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 France and French speaking people can fall out of love with cinema, then what's to stop me from? falling out of love with anything in my life and it's just you know it's such, such a scary scary prospect uh, maybe i should slow down maybe i should calm down yeah well uh what 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 films what what french films did you watch recently that have you on this kind of kind of thought train i did a bit of a double feature of oh two uh, words. i believe in i believe in french they call that uh Le menage a trois. Yeah, that's the word for it. That's it. Uh, I did. I did a menage a trois with two movies. Uh, one of them in French and one of them in a bunch of different languages. Uh, the new, the two new Claire Denis features, Stars at Noon, and Both Sides of the Blade, formerly known as Fire, I guess. Yeah, two two films. Technically, kind of released at the end of 2022, but like now in theaters somewhere, sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very, very strange distribution cycle both these films have been going through. <laughs> One of them was on Hulu, I guess. I guess. I, I mean, fuck Hulu, it, right? Yeah. That's kind of the that's kind of the thing about movie distribution now. It's like a a, a gift of the magi thing where it's just like passes through all of these different distribu- distribution models, uh, different websites that just happen to have it at different points. It's kind of it's nonsensical. 
I, so my my understanding from looking looking at this is that I because I have to d- make sure which one. So uh, Stars at Noon was was an A twenty four joint or was released by A twenty four. Um, yes. Basically, is is the Hulu ex- is the Hulu exclusive Claire Denis film, which is a horrifying concept. Yeah. Um, Troubling. But is 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 not actually been released in France yet. <laughs> kind of fucked Des- up. Despite being a French film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And then on the other hand, both sides of the blade, I think that's the one that's currently like in theaters locally. Like it's like playing at AMC theaters. Because it but it was initially released as an AMC streaming, that's, like you could you could buy it like AMC on demand. That to me is nonsensical, right? And and previously it had had a very limited film run by uh, by IFC. Um, this is part of the reason why I was really confused and trying having trouble keeping track of them, is because both of them were released roughly in the same couple of months. At the end of 2022, but like with wildly different distribution models, mm. and one of them had its name changed like halfway through. <laughs> yeah, definitely a a kind of interesting, an, an interesting arc there, an interesting story for that for that film to go through. I I don't know if this is like Claire Denis and her like flop era or like. Claire Denis in her like fuck it let's just crank <laughs> let's just crank these out while she's working on like her next big film yeah you know let's let's just do it like a like an anthology series or something let's shoot she's shooting her films like the avatar sequels where they're all being shot at the same time this is this is her doing the like the like throat exercises for like for like her movies yeah 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 like, yeah. That, like the pandemic really kind of like put a cramp cramp in her style and she's like oh, let's just do like let's just do like an easy, let's just, yeah let's just do like an easy one yeah uh and that easy one was called both sides of the blade <laughs> yeah starting off with both sides of the blade um i don't know did you get a chance to see this film uh check it out i i, I did um in fact, I just watched it yesterday, believe it or not. Well, wow, that's and, crazy. Me too. And I could tell you, like, basically nothing that happened in that film. <laughs> um, Claire Denis has, like, a really interesting approach to film where the first hour of it, I don't know if she's just assuming that people are going to be getting late to the theater, but, like, just nothing happens in the first hours of her films now. Um, or I guess that's unfair. What happens in the first hour of the film is just... This movie is an it is like an hour of just oh, but my ex will be there. Oh, I can't see my ex. Yeah. Oh, but he'll be there. Oh, but isn't it weird? Oh, it's not weird. Oh, but it but he's my ex, and he'll be there, and he'll be there at the he'll be there, and I'll be there, and I'll see my ex who will be there, and that's so weird. It took, like, 200 years to kind of, like, set up and, like, get through the sort of basic world-building of, you know, what was being kind of presented, uh, and... And then, like, the second she, they, they, that, that starts, like, she sees her ex, she, like, just fucking, like, beeline straight into his personal space. Yeah. <laughs> no it's... mask. Takes her mask off. Yeah. Face to face. No, that literally their faces are like six inches from each other. Like they they do this intimate staring contest with each other that is uh, kind of hilarious and confounding. Uh, especially after I cannot emphasize this enough, an hour <laughs> of of this like bizarre heterosexual ritual around seeing your ex at yeah. a work at, at your your partner's. Uh, at your partner's fucking like work party, like the the least the least possible threatening environment to see your ex in. Yeah, 
Do you think it is going to be weird if you are working with my ex at your job where you work? I don't know. I feel horrible about this. Yeah, it's it's kind of like nonsensical. Uh, it's a it's a very we have we have a term around here that we we use called fringding. Uh, I probably yeah. shouldn't shouldn't expose the masses <laughs> to fringding, but fringding, fringding. If you want to know what fringding means, just think about the Grant Kirkhope uh, Banjo Kazooie soundtrack, and now <laughs> conceptualize that as a human interaction. Uh, and then you you arrive at what we call what we call fringding. Fringding has many uses and definitions, but yeah, no, no, it's, it's the easiest that, way to describe. That is the best way to describe it. Is it is it it? I would also put fringding in the same category as like um, putting two Furbies in a room. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, the shit they say to each other. That's that's also that's fringding. This is listen. Susan Sontag, get off camp. <laughs> We're on Fringding now. Fuck you. Camp is dead. Fringding camp is here to stay. Famously, Bruce LaBruce has said that camp is dead. Fringding is where it's at. <laughs> um, I will say, I think I think Meeks came up with Fringding. Uh, yeah, no, I, that's that's a Meeks phrase. I, I remember Meeks is the one who started saying that constantly at Ghost Planet. Yeah, shout out to Meeks Tape, Meeks and Poke on Twitter. Uh, go get great a tattoo. tattoo artist. Yeah, if you if you are ever in the Pacific North, Greater Pacific Northwest area, yeah, book yourself um, a a tattoo, and you'll get to meet the world famous Romeo. That's so true, Romeo. I'm gonna put a picture Romeo. of Romeo. Romeo, the 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 wingless bat, a hundred percent. Yeah, so it's it it kind of it progresses so melodramatically. I I don't know I don't know if you felt this way, but I I really felt as though I was watching some kind of like soap opera. Yeah. Oh. Like a cheap soap opera. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why I think was so weird about it is that it's like, it's still a Claire Denis film, so it's like, there's a lot of good emphasis on like body language and stuff, but it's in the service of just like the cheapest, like most boring like human drama. Yeah, and I love like just a simple human drama. Mm-hmm. But this is like like third season moral oral it, <laughs> it does does this better it, yeah <laughs> like, oh yeah it's just, it just doesn't it just doesn't i just can't get invested um and then there's all these other like elements to the story that like ostensibly seem much more interesting but like the film doesn't really care as much <laughs> right right yeah, I mean, there's the stuff with their son, which, I don't know, I, I kind of appreciated that the film was uh, being very, very obvious about the fact that this guy is, like, Vincent Lindon's character has a very uh, sort of black and white view of morality, uh, literally, wah, 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 uh, where he spends, there's this whole scene of him, like, lecturing his black son about the way that he conceptualizes uh race and how race plays into like you know how you're treated shittier by society and he's like oh you're you're just you just feel sorry for yourself and you need to go back to school and you need to think about what you're going to be doing with your life just these this horrible like the type of conversation that you have when you're an adolescent but uh kind of made worse by being the black son of a white father in so yeah. many ways like that was a really that was one of the best scenes because it was so illuminating about like vincent lindon's character's whole thing and very, how he fucking treats people uh very illuminating and also marcus played by uh Issa Parika. i i don't know if he if he's been in anything else but he's the one who plays he's the uh actor who plays his son yeah uh just, just like a really, really good, um, like detached teen, uh huh, 
Like where there, he's oh he was in uh, the twenty nineteen Les Mis film. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, was, I was gonna say Les Mis. Um, th- where it's like he that that kind of like simmering resentment, but has just like so accepted and been disinvested from it anymore that it's not even really resentment anymore. Yeah. There's there's this like passive like. Oh, if I was more emotionally invested in like this dynamic, like it would be hostile. But I'm just so beyond that anymore that it's just like apathy. Just he carries that through him with him in like every scene, um, right. and it's great because you can see that he has such a different way in which that embodies with uh, Vincent than with um, his grandmother, who I think is is Nellie. Is that her name? Um. Yes. I believe it's Nelly. Yeah. Um, where there's still obviously a bit of touch of tenderness there, but still a degree of like keeping her at arm's length because it's just like, well, you're just, he's just like, you're just not going to get it. Like you just don't get what I'm going through. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, both in the, the, the typical teen, teen boy way. And also in the way of like, he's like, okay, but literally he's like, you're the white half of my family. Like you actually literally do not get it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, uh, I don't know, like, it is only so interesting to watch, uh, you know, I love Juliette Binoche, um, I'm, I'm, I'm also tentatively, tentatively love Vincent Lindon, uh, I also love Maddie Diop, who had a small, a very small bit part in this, who was the director of Atlantics, um, which is, which is a great movie, if there's anything, if there's anything to get out of this episode, it's go watch Atlantics, because that movie's fucking fantastic, but... Yeah, did we figure out who she was supposed to be in that scene? Ah! Uh, like, what her relationship is supposed to be? Like, is she supposed to be the mom, or is she the social worker? I don't fucking remember. I don't think she's the social... I think the social worker is a completely different thing. I, I don't fucking remember. I don't know who okay. Gabrielle is supposed to be. <laughs> but, uh... I, I don't know, maybe a, a friend. Um, but yeah, it, it's really only so interesting to kind of see like the, the will I or won't I, uh, drama of Juliette Binoche deciding between her ex and her current husband, uh, because it progresses somewhat nonsensically, which is maybe part of the point. Yeah. But it was also hard to that that made it kind of hard to grasp onto the sort of meat of what the movie was and what it was uh kind of about i guess yeah no it's it i i i am someone who's never who who tries not to be the like oh well this isn't about people like me so like i just bounced right off of it oh of course yeah but it's it's just too straight <laughs> it's just like there's just so many assumptions about the way like relationship dramas work that that the film has bundled into it that as I was watching it I just kept like being like okay but why like why like what yeah. am I <laughs> why are they reacting this way and I have to kind of like put myself into the mindset of like people who live like this yeah. um, and a good film can do that mm-hmm. uh, and this one did not so, I mean, yeah. all your own conclusions from that. Uh, <laughs> the most I can say is that we have an out- this outline of Vincent Lindon's character who just like wants people to produce goodness for him in a way where like that whole that really long conversation scene with his son, like he 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 gets so obsessed with that stuff because he wants to feel better about himself because he feels like shit all the time, I guess. Uh, you know, after being like, uh, you know, important aspects of his character, he's like an ex-con and a former rugby player and like all of this stuff. So he has like a very kind of simplified view of like success and happiness and things of some such nature. Uh, so when he, the, the film, I guess, is almost a denouncement of that heterosexual sort of sphere of thought where it's like your your wife has to produce fidelity for you um Mm. in in this sort of x you know x generation feminist way of like 
Juliette Binoche, really, her character has a lot kind of hanging hanging on her um, as as far as just, like, bringing home this sense of security and happiness. Uh, that, you know, Jean, it's, it's not the most fair for him to make the demands that he's making and, and for him to fly into, like, he's constantly, like, flying into a uncontrollable rage that she is having to, like, remind him, like, hey, you're not actually calm right now. You keep saying you're calm, but you're not calm. You know, uh, and and the background simmering of, like, oh, he's, like, an ex-con. He's kind of scary a little bit. Uh, I don't know. It's... Ex-con has some, uh, also is, like, a has, like, a, a history in sports, which is why he ends up in the business with Francois. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Which, uh, you know, it's hard It's hard to read Francois's motives as well. I mean, like, he... Uh, Francois also seems very, like, kind of annoyingly patriarchal in the sense that he kind of goes behind the back of this woman and is also, like, oh, she's the one who fucked up, even though I'm the one who, like... Was like, hey, I want to fuck. 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 Ah, ah, you wanted to fuck too. Got your nose. I'm gonna tell your husband now. Uh, let like, me just grind it on your butt. <laughs> let me touch your butt. Let me put my pentis on your on your butt. On your butt. Uh, uh, uh. Oh. oh, you want me to stay? Naughty, naughty. Naughty, naughty. <laughs> yeah, like that. Definitely, you know, saying something about patriarchy. Saying something about you know, women's roles and things like that. Um, the only the only major problem is it kind of went through this drama in a very sanded down, kind of boring way. And I, I, I don't know. I, I, I remember about halfway, well, a little over halfway through, I was just like, man, at least, like, Marriage Story gave me characters that, like, were fun to hate. <laughs> yeah. Like fuck Marriage Story. That movie, I hated that film. Definitely but a at worse least, film. Yeah, definitely a far worse film, but that kind of caused it to loop back around of like able to like invest more in it because I just wanted to see what stupid shit it did next. This is just that's why I said earlier at the start it's like I wonder if these are just like the the warm-up exercises films because it just feels very uh trite feels too condemnatory. Wrote. It feels very rote for a Claire Denis film. Right. Yeah, it's it's well well trod ground as far as just the heterosexual uh infidelity concerns that are largely misogynist. I mean if it helps anybody kind of uh you know, go into their mind palace about those things, then maybe that's ultimately a good thing, but I mean, you know, it won, a, it won a bunch of fucking European film festival awards, uh, in spite of not being the most interesting stylistically or otherwise. But it, it, it did give us that really funny sequence that looked like it was filmed on an iPhone. Yeah, there was a bunch of <laughs> there was a bunch of stuff that felt very obviously filmed on a smartphone for sure. Uh, which was crazy, like because it because the footage didn't look good at all. It was like Vincent Lindon and fucking Gregoire Colline uh, doing this like pre, doing this like prep work essentially for for their deal or whatever, uh, and and then and then some kind of after credit stuff of Vincent uh, coaching a team. It was all, it all looked very goofy. And, and that's another aspect of the movie that I really struggled with. It, it, it didn't look very interesting, which is like a movie doesn't have to look super interesting. You don't have to fucking make a statement every single goddamn time. Um, but I don't know. It, it helps when the drama is so, eh, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 especially weird because it's when you compare it to like another film Claire Denis also made in the pandemic, Uh Um, which before we move on to that, I want to say that another great contrast between the second film and the pandemic film 
is I kept having moments in watching this one where I was just like, do the French know what the mask is for? (laughs) Because there kept being scenes where a character would be wearing their mask outside, go in, go into a small room with other people, and then take their mask off. And it's like, what? That's like the opposite. (laughs) Yeah... I assume that that was just, like, a necessity of filming under COVID, but it adds such a bizarre degree. It just adds, like, a bizarre human tick to all of the characters' behaviors, where they are wearing masks in situations where, like, they don't really have to, but then not... But then taking their masks off literally the second in which you would want to actually be having a mask on if the purpose of wearing the mask is is prevention of, like, disease spread. There was a scene in Both Sides of the Blade with Juliette Binoche where she was talking to Francois that was, that made me laugh so fucking hard, where, like, they, she literally, like, he showed up next to her, and she, I don't know if actually, if it was between her and Francois or some other character, but, like, someone comes up to her and is, like, a couple of inches from her face with their mask on, and she, like, pulls her mask down while like two inches from this person's face it's it's so funny no it's that i remember that was the one that just made me snap where it's like that is like the like that is the opposite of the situation in where you are your yeah. mask if like the point of wearing a mask in the scene is that you are is a covid prevention thing yeah uh fucking for real like it's i don't know i and i mean it's funny i found it i found it very funny at at, at the end of the day I mean, like, it's it's funny of her to make two films that are, like, strictly speaking about the pandemic. Uh, and, uh, I mean, like, there was a lot of, there was a lot of stuff. That, I mean, seeing kind of how other countries dealt with the pandemic was definitely eye-opening. I mean, France, they, I, I don't know, I think everybody else is a little bit in the future in comparison to America. Like, Nicaragua, well... I guess it wasn't actually shot in where it said it was shot, but Stars at Noon showed off a bunch of, like, insane technology that we... that would never, ever fly here, you know? Temperature checks. Yeah. <laughs> like, literally, just temperature checks that aren't uh, a receptionist holding up uh, a fucking... Temp- a fucking surface cooking temp... <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, thermometer. Here's, here's a worker you can scream at if you if you need to, like feel really, really angry about needing your temperature checked before you enter a building. Here's someone you can abuse. Uh, that's the, cause that's the American way, you know? Yeah. The, the, the most bizarre part about that is, is definitely the, like, uh, is the fact that like, and then she also had stars at noon, which also is a COVID film. Yeah. And also I would argue has a weird weird not great had it like not great depiction of like a relationship that you're necessarily invested in but it's just like a more compelling film (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely it's well i mean the best place to start with with regard to stars at noon is margaret qualey's character who is insane she's so fucking good she is like a complete piece of shit to absolutely everybody uh she sucks for sure uh but that's what makes her great. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, God. May pull it up. I always, I always want to call her Maggie, but it's not Maggie. It's Margaret. Uh, Margaret Qualley, right? Margaret Qualley. Yeah, Margaret Qualley. Yeah. Uh, her character. Just like from the jump, they do such a good job of making it clear that she fucking sucks. And, like, the movie just, like, really kind of slowly makes you, like, enjoy watching her, but doesn't ever really change the fact that she just sucks. Yeah. And it's not, like, an, an endearing suck. It's a, like, wow, you are a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, she goes through this very small sort of, uh, I mean, actually, I don't even know what I'm saying, because she definitely was sarcastic when she was hanging out with Benny Softy's character, and says like please for the first time or something like that (laughs) uh so so fucking funny she is totally impudent and and terrible and i i loved watching every second of her there's a point at which she like 
screams at a police officer in in his face. She like takes off her mask and shit and like starts screaming in his face mid pandemic. And then she like runs outside and she's like, America's going to fucking completely destroy this country. Our tanks are going to come and we're going <laughs> to flatten you. The, the scene where she's with uh, Daniel, the other main character, and he's like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I'm, I'm kind of interested in the election. And she's like, <laughs> she's like, you think there's going to be an election? <laughs> Just like, oh, my God, dude, like, you don't know. Like, we're, this is like, this is like an authoritarian government. You know that, right? Yeah. It's like the way she just like is laughing at like <laughs> the, 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 I am an American in a country that America is actively doing coup shit in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, to be fair, she knows the score. Yeah, no, she is correct. She's proven correct. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. This movie was a lot, it was just a lot meatier. Um, it had a lot more, going on with it i think i think critics are a little bit harsher on it uh but i at least you know was able to pay much much closer attention to it because it wasn't just this kind of heterosexual bickering the entire time i mean there was plenty of heterosexual bickering but it was about things that had less to do with you know being het and more to do with uh (laughs) geopolitical goings on and the I, CIA. I it, it also uses like the 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 pandemic to more of an effect where you understand it as like okay, this is something that makes crossing borders and like free movement of people through nation states much more difficult. The, yeah. the ways in which uh, it kind of opportunistically provides uh, a way for the nation states to consolidate power. Um, and I like that all this stuff is just kind of like backgrounded almost and that like you end up feeling a lot like trish where it's just like well fuck it that's the way fucking things are haha <laughs> this fucking sucks i'm gonna get i'm just gonna drink a shitload of rum and <laughs> run around in the ugliest dress that oh, is a, that appears to be like a fucking tote bag yeah <laughs> I... and and just hideous nylon like string panties <laughs> It it must be mentioned, uh, her styling is fucking hilarious for the entire movie. Like, she looks terrible. She's just wearing these, like, Ross Dress for Less outfits. Uh, this, like, thin-ass, like, black hoodie with, like, rhinestones all over it. And just all, like, pattern apron dresses. All, like, pattern skirts. There's mm- a part where she puts on a hideous like flat like not flower hideous harps like pattern skirt and yeah. then like a hideous like like graphic like all over print pattern shirt and not only are they both individually ugly but together they like clash in the worst way and that's like the second outfit she puts on <laughs> yeah it's it is just so funny how she is styled to just emphasize how much she sucks yeah <laughs> absolutely I mean, there's like entire sequences where it's like her skin looks really bad. Uh, (laughs) Her her hair is just like fucked up. And I think what I like about it is that like normally in a lot of films, it'll be like they'll they'll be like, okay, we're going to emphasize that they look like shit in the scene, but it's a very stylized looks like shit. But this is like, no, this is I've been sleeping on like the worst bed in the worst hotel and I am wearing, like, the most picked out of a garbage fucking outfits that I could find. <laughs> I am wearing technically clothes. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's so, like, clothes pulled from a garbage bag that she was just handed one day. Uh, and, and, you know, let's not forget Joe Alwyn, who spends the entire movie in the same white blazer that just gets more and more and more fucked up. The, well, really a white, a pure white suit that is like covered in dirt and grime and blood by the end of the movie uh, oh my god that's that's just another spectacular touch also great how he kind of plays this like oh like i'm i'm like i'm this like mysterious businessman and then it's just as the movie goes on it's just more and more that it's like okay yeah he's involved in something suspicious and like some sort of conspiracy 
but is like way in over his head. Yeah. <laughs> and like, like just does not know what the fuck he is doing here is like actually kind of stupid. Oh, you're working for an oil company, huh? All right. I see. Ya, I see. Ya. <laughs> it's so funny that it's like you realize she thought he was like an intelligent asset. And then it kind of becomes clear that he is, but he's like not aware that he is. Like he's aware that like he basically is just like he's like an, an old money industry, like an oil industry version of like a Bitcoin guy. Yeah. Like a guy who like thinks he's like being really sly and slick and clever. And it's like, oh, you don't know that like you're the one holding the bag. <laughs> <laughs> You're not getting the bag. Yeah. You're holding the bag. You're the fall guy, dude. Yeah, they... It's a very sweaty, sweaty movie. They they sweat ridiculously. And not just because they're fucking. Uh, and they, they do fuck... The, the first scene she has sex with someone in when she's sleeping with the, uh, the Nicaraguan um, police policeman right he's like a police yeah he's kind of a cop like a cop of some type um and they're just like fucking like two inches from a fan because it's so hot (laughs) and they're just so sweaty and disgusting and he's just like oh you're not purring and she's just like yeah i'm not (laughs) yeah her her being her hating the sex that she has with that guy is God, what a what a performance! What a what a spectacular! I don't know. She she gives a great performance. She definitely brought in her crying tech from uh, the Kojima game she was on, or <laughs> uh, it's just like a single tear that just like appears adjacent to her eye. Yeah, the Death Stranding acting school. Um, do you want to briefly touch on the John C. Riley jump scare? There's not too much to say about it. He he zoom he does a zoom call with Margaret Qualley where he basically is like, "Hey, we never hired you actually. You were just doing like some temp work for us." Uh, yeah, we you asked for a bunch of money to go to this country and then wrote a bunch of articles about like murder about like political murders and terrorism for our magazine that is telling rich people places to go to sit in a jacuzzi (laughs) which is hilarious it's so funny how so early like they they do a really good job of establishing related to the fact that she sucks that like she's not a journalist she has delusions of being a journalist she has like some journalist instinct but she actually like has like dog shit instinct on everything else yeah (laughs) Yeah, she has really bad impulses. I mean, the whole movie, the whole thing the movie is about, like, is, is as soon as she gets involved with this, like, fall, this British fall guy, uh, her, like, subteniente that's, like, helping her, as well as, like, the vice minister that's helping her, they both, like, back off from her because, <laughs> because she falls in love with this British man. Uh, it's... I don't know, like, I'm, I'm not saying I would be any different in this situation, but it's definitely, like, it's it's a funny character. It, it, that it, Her, her decision-making is very, very funny. Every, like, move she tries to make mm-hmm. that just does not, not only does not, like, it doesn't even, because it backfires, but it doesn't backfire on her. It just keeps being like, oh, we killed this taxi driver. Oh, we blew up this guy's car. <laughs> oh, we shot these like traffickers. Uh, the, I just like constantly just like you can keep doing this, but like we're just gonna keep forcing you towards like what we want you to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that was another another sort of complaint about the film uh, is definitely that like. A bunch of brown people get fucking killed for for these white people. Like they meet a taxi driver and he gets basically, you know, murdered uh, for helping, for helping them, them. Essentially, yeah, despite him just not knowing that they were like wanted in any way, he's just a a, a guy. He's just a yeah. taxi driver. <laughs> and you know, the traffickers getting shot to death and all of this other stuff. 
I, I don't know. I, I, I know that uh, Claire Denis, she was uh, kind of raised raised in multiple different countries in Africa, uh, Burkina Faso, Cameroon, French Somaliland, Senegal, uh, you know, so she kind of has this perspective as someone who grew up in West Africa. Uh, so I'm not saying the disposability of non-white people is not a salient statement in some capacity, but, eh, you know? Yeah. It, <laughs> I guess it, it sucks. <laughs> it's it's the thing of, like, it feels a little too close to, like, the sort of Breaking Bad disposability of non-white characters. Yeah. Even if, like, the film is trying to, like, lampshade that through how much these main characters suck and, like, make it clear how much that, like, this is an extension of like the grander political conspiracy that they're involved in. And also the like grander behavioral traits they have of just kind of exploiting people around them to, uh-huh. to cover up for their own fuck ups and like, like shortcomings. Yeah. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, you know, you are in a country that is experiencing a CIA coup and you yeah. are part of the American machine and the British machine. It's, eh, I don't know, like, it's... Speaking of... Uh-huh. Um, God, I wish Benny Safdie was in this movie so so much more. He should have shown up like, way earlier. He is, like, such a great inverse to Daniel's character in that he is the worst, like, at being covert (laughs) just like she walks in and immediately is like you're cia and he's like i'm not saying i am i'm just saying it's like shut the fuck up you're see i've you're the worst at this but also like unlike daniel like actually fucking knows what he's doing and like actually has power uh, I fucking lost my mind when she's getting the COVID test and he just walks in through the back of the tent. <laughs> and it's just like, hey, I knew I'd find you here at the COVID test tent. <laughs> On the border where you're trying to escape to Costa Rica. It's fucking hilarious. Like... I mean, it's it's so on the nose that he doesn't even feel like he has to hide being a CIA agent at all. Yeah, like he doesn't he just fucking care. To, he has to do the plausible deniability thing, but that beyond that, it's like he's like he doesn't care. Like he's he is he is protected enough by the state. He's actually protected by the state government and actually has like power in this situation that he only has to do the the plausible deniability level of it. Uh but that he doesn't fucking care about his cover being blown to, like, literally anybody. Yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah, I... I I also kind of appreciated the, like, myriad statements on sort of... uh, I guess, I guess, like, feminist statements about kind of how Trish... I don't know. This movie definitely has a very deep well of, like, feminist thought in terms of, like, her being kind of a shit character because she's treated like shit and she's uh, navigating the system in, you know, the way that a woman kind of has to. She's kind of hustling her way through. She's being a little bit of what what they refer to as a whore. Uh, But she's also, like, subject to all this kind of physical violence and, like, a a bunch of men kind of, like, hold her in these situations that are really scary and uh, kind of compromising uh, Benny Softy's character kind of included. Like, the CIA and the, like, CIA-affiliated, like, Costa Rican police, like, they feel very rapey in this movie, and that feels like such a statement. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and also even the degree to which it's, like, she ends up losing that access because they find out that she's sleeping with other people when it's like, you are like you, you are getting her to sleep with you via like extortion. Yeah. Like you both want her to be this person that you have that power over, but also you want her to be like loyal to you in a way that does not reflect what the actual situation is, which is like very accurate, very accurate to like that kind of exploitation. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely kind of a commonality with both sides of the blade as well, kind of in terms of themology. Uh, But 
Yeah, like, it's so unrealistic. It's so... It's so patriarchal and bizarre. Uh, also, also really good. Big fan of, like, the fact that, like, when she makes a joke about it to the CIA agent, uh, Benny Safdie's just like, oh, that's actually, like, the one thing I don't want. Yeah. <laughs> Like he's just like he's like he's like no actually like I'm operating at a level of power here where like I don't need to worry about like petty interpersonal power uh, because I could just have you killed if I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. Which yeah, I don't know. It, it 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 weaves a it weaves a complex little web. Uh, I wouldn't say I I wouldn't say I fell hard in love with either of these movies, but no, they're both kind of afternoon movies saturday afternoon movies yeah um i feel like i definitely like stars at noon more than both sides of the blade but i just find interweaving this kind of stuff uh with like heavier political stuff more more interesting i feel like there's more dense denseness i feel like if i revisit stars at noon i'll get more out of it absolutely yeah um it it is very funny that it has uh kind of a weird opposite problem where it's just it's like it's it's less believable that they're straight. <laughs> like they just don't really come off like like the like the the one scene where Margaret uh really like sells it is when she's wasted and he's like trying to get her into bed and she's just like you're you're mad at me. Are you, Are you mad, mad at, at me? me? Are you mad at me? Mad at me? And he's like, you drink like a fish and you sleep around, and you're like, a and you're constantly drawing attention to us. He's like, but I'm not mad at you. And she's like, you're mad at me. <laughs> the mo- most relatable moment in the whole film. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. That that was beautiful. I, like the rest of it, I kind of I kind of vibe with other people's sort of statements about the. Uh, the the lack of believability of their dynamic and uh, I I guess this was originally that it was supposed to be Robert Pattinson playing that guy. Uh, yeah, I I could absolutely see it working way better if Robert Pattinson, honestly. Yeah, <laughs> because because Margaret is is I think Margaret's carrying it. I think she's bringing the energy. Yeah, it's just that Joel Alwyn is just like not. He just seems very dis- He seems a little like asexual with it. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah I I feel a little bit a little bit yes and no on that like I don't know Bec- like I feel like it's a fundamental issue with the character like the character is you know he's this unwitting dumb ball guy for this like deal that goes south and blah 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 and he's also very kind of underspoken and he's very quiet and he's like a fish out of water uh and in theory that could work with a character like margaret qualley but i i don't know i i think as an audience member i would like to see someone more her match and less uh, you know i could see because i forgot that he's also the dumb guy and the favorite i could see uh him playing like that guy being really good in this role like somebody who's more obviously uh, the dumb guy at the end of the conspiracy who thinks he's at the center of the conspiracy. Yeah. Yeah, that would be cute, at least. Uh, I, I do also like that, like, ultimately she never gets an answer on who he is or, like, what his involvement in it really is. Right. There's that really good scene where she, like, calls out the name of, like, two... I just, like, because, again, related to the fact that, like, she has some journalistic instincts, just dog shit other instincts. It's, like, it pretty consistently shows that she definitely knows who, like, all the big power, like, uh, blocks in the country are. She knows what the dynamics are. She understands a lot of the, the teeming political undercurrent and, like, a good guess of, like, what the conspiracies at play are. Um... But just, like, no sense otherwise of, like, how to navigate that. Yeah, yeah. Well, she's, she's like, reliant on these kind of few connections that uh, peter out and are, were, you know, we're very, like, tenuous in the first place. Uh, and, and she's, like, flying without a seatbelt, too, because she, like, doesn't have her passport for the, for the entire movie. And she's just, like, hoping that her pussy will carry her to safety. 
Which is not, not the most unreasonable. She, every scene where she gets pissed off at the idea that she needs a passport is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I need your passport to make this copy. Uh, no, you don't. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? Dumbass. I'm, so I don't get in trouble? No, do it anyway. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that stuff is really, that stuff is really, really good. I don't know. Yeah, like, I... I think it's just visually more striking, too, as a film. Uh-huh. I, yeah. I feel like the way she films our characters is is a lot more evocative than it felt in both sides. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's it benefits from a more interesting sort of environment. You know, it it the backdrop is is more lush and more more textured. Uh, so it, it's only it's only gonna uh, it's only gonna accentuate the sort of the sort of human drama. I guess I would say. Yeah. No, that makes. Sense. You know, it really. I think. I think that kind of answers the question of why of what. Of what French cinema needs. Uh-huh. Which is to get out of France. Yeah, get the fuck out of France. Get the fuck out of France. Boring, boring-ass place. Fuck France. Fuck the French. Fuck the French. Yeah, you know what? Fuck the French. If, if, you're, if you're French and you're hearing this, I don't know, you're probably actually fine. No, I'm just kidding. Fuck you! Fuck you. Uh... Hey, I'm sorry if you're French. Sorry that you live in France. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, anyway, you know, high life, high life better, Beau Travail better. What can you do? Um, Speaking of, I think everybody, you know, I think everyone in the world should watch Beau Travail. That's a, that's such a fucking amazing movie. Uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about being like, ah, this director, I don't think she's fallen off. I think, I, I just think these were, she, she got a, she got a hair in her ass about, about the pandemic and about the state of things. And she wanted to make a couple of statements here, you know, covering those, covering those topics and God bless her for it. If anybody's looking for a, a movie from France, that's very, very good. That just also just came out. Saint Omer is really, really good. That's, I guess that's, I just wanted to come in here and kind of wax about, about that crud. I wanted to get that off my chest. Yeah, no, get, get the, get the, I I think everyone has to eventually, um, you know, kind of come to terms with France. Yeah. And the role that it plays in our lives. You know, sometimes I... I don't know. Hey, you know, it's n- now is always the perfect time to cut a toxic film industry out of your life. You're so right. I think I've been just letting it, you know, take up mental real estate and take up space. And I I need to just let it go. I need to let France go and live its own life. Eating fucking whatever gross shit they eat over there. I think it's time to give France a call. Hold yeah. on, I'm, I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a call, a collect call to the entire country of France. I'm gonna mm-hmm. go one by one, uh, and you're oh, okay with me over. doing that. You're okay with me doing that from your phone, right? If I just do that from from your phone here in the office and just call all of France. Yeah, yeah. No, no I guess I guess I guess that's fine. Hold on, let me just. Oh, I I broke it. I'm sorry.